And if you are here for the first time and you haven't found a home church, we at New Life Patterson love to say, welcome home. We're glad that you're here this morning with us, okay? So we're going to go ahead and do the giving right now. So if you're on the left, go ahead and grab the bucket to the side, and we're going to slide it over and hand it over to the right, and um, we're going to do that. But before I do that, I want you to know that this isn't something that we're doing for everybody that is just coming for the first time. We're not here for your money like that. This is for those that call New Life home, okay? So let's go ahead and pray and bless this right now. In your name, Jesus, we come to you, thanking you for today, thanking you for the blessings that you've given us, Lord, and the opportunity to give back. God, so Lord, I pray that this offering to you, God, multiplies in a way that you needed to grow your kingdom, God. Use this in a way that brings more people one step closer to you. And we love you and we thank you for this. In your name, Jesus, amen. All right. Okay, so this week I'm up. Pastor Jeremy is in Turlock. He's coming for Pastor Dave. And so I got the call from the bullpen. So here I am, ready to go, right? So I'm looking forward to it. It's a great message. If, if you're just joining us, we've been in this series titled, If Only, right? If Only. And we've been diving into what happens to a lot of us when we lose sight of what it means to be truly fulfilled, satisfied, or content. And sadly, when this happens, we start to lose sight of what God wants to do in and through our lives. We're going to be in the book of Ecclesiastes, so if you have your Bible, go ahead and open it up to Ecclesiastes, and we're going to be in chapter 2, okay? So hold your spot right there. We'll get back to that in a minute. Now, if you remember, Pastor Jeremy talked about a shape puzzle, right? One of these. I know these are difficult and challenging, Okay. <laughs> Well, if you're a two- or three-year-old, it is certainly challenging. I mean, how many of you have seen somebody have this piece, this shape, and they're trying to put it in this spot, and it's just not going. The kid gets frustrated. He gets upset. He starts going until he finally realizes, yo, this is not going to work. It's the wrong fit, okay? But here's the thing. All of us were created and designed by God with a shape in our heart and soul that can only be filled by God, right? It's that God shape. And if I were to kind of put it in a shape, I would say that it's the shape of the cross that can only fit in that part of your heart and your soul. It's the God piece. And at times, we try to squeeze and force relationships and possessions and a whole lot of other things into that cross shape, but they just don't fit. And we find ourselves like that little two-year-old getting frustrated and upset and wondering what the heck is going on. And no matter what we do to try and fill that void, we always walk away feeling empty, dissatisfied, discontent, unfulfilled, and sadly, this is the worst thing, we feel like we are without purpose. And there are a lot of us out there that are walking in this world of feeling like we don't have a purpose to be here. And it's a sad reality where we're at. So this morning, I want to look at another shape we often try to fill that void with. And it's this. If only my life will be filled with pleasure. Right? If only my life will be filled with pleasure. So here's a question. Will pleasure... Fit in that cross-shaped hole in my heart and soul? What do you think? I think we know the answer, right? So this morning, we're going to talk about this. Let's pray. 
Oh, King Jesus, my Lord, my God, I thank you for being with us. God, I invite you here to dwell in and through us, Lord, as we um, are learning about who you are, God. Lord, help us to know and learn and how to fill this space in our heart and soul, God, with only what you want to provide for us, Lord, and nothing else. In your name we pray. Amen. Amen. All right, let me ask you this. Now, I know that you've done this. Have you ever opened up a present during Christmas time or your birthday, and you saw the box, and it was the nice box, the wrapping was perfect, the bow was there, the ribbons, all the nine. Has has anybody ever had a gift like that, right? Right, most of us. And then you open it, and you tear into it, and then you finally see what's inside, and it's a pair of chonies or socks. (laughs) And you're sitting there, and you're like, want to have a smile, right? But what's that feeling you have inside? Disappointment, right? Maybe it's something like this. Let's check this video out real quick. What'd you, what'd you, it's Charlie. I don't like this. Oh. What is it? An old banana. An old banana? Isn't that exciting? No. What are you doing? Pushing it. <laughs> okay. A battery and an onion. What's wrong? I don't want an onion. <laughs> Did you smell your onion? Here, smell it. No, I smelled it. Eggs. Hey, they're expensive. Eggs. Open it. A hot dog. <laughs> what is that? Marissa, what do you tell me all the time about my cooking? I love it. You love my cooking, so I made you something. I remember we had a white elephant exchange here one year with our youth, and it was very interesting. There was this one gift everybody wanted, and they were chasing it and chasing it and chasing it, and finally we got to opening it, and guess what it was? Bread, a plastic knife, and some liverwurst spread. And we actually had a student trade to get it, and he ate it in front of us, which was gross, I'm telling you. (laughs) See, from the outside, it looked great. It felt great. It gave all the outward indications that the inside was what? Good. But on the inside, it wasn't. And what happened? What set in? Disappointment. And doesn't that happen a lot in life, right? We see these things that look good and disappointment sets in. We go from the highs of expectation to the lows of reality. And in some way, these highs and lows are pictures of our pursuit of pleasure. This picture of that. See, we pursued something we thought was so good, and then when we got it, what happens? Falls apart. We pursued something that was so good, and when we got it, it fell apart. So here's the big idea I want you to hang your hat on this morning. This is what it is. The only real pleasure that lasts is the pleasure we discover in our relationship with God. 
That's the only real lasting pleasure that we will experience. See, all the other pleasure is temporary and eventually will fade away or just fall apart. And that's what Solomon is telling us here in Ecclesiastes. See, Solomon was deemed to be one of the most, was deemed to be the wisest man in Scripture, okay? And he wrote these things in Ecclesiastes so he could share about his experience with, it, with, um, with pursuing his pleasures, okay? And he tried to take a hold of all different kinds of pleasures in his life. And the same thing happened. When he got them, they fell apart. So if you have your Bibles, open up to Ecclesiastes chapter 2. We're going to start at verse 1 and 2, okay? And we're going to jump a little bit. And it says this. This is King Solomon. He says, I said to myself, come on, let's try pleasure. Let's, let's look for the good things in life. But I found that this, too, was meaningless. So I said, laughter is silly. What good does it do to seek pleasure? He goes on to say this. In verses 10 and 11, okay, he says, anything I wanted, I would take. I denied myself no pleasure. I even found great pleasure in hard work, a reward for all my labors. But as I looked at everything I had worked so hard to accomplish, it was all so meaningless, like chasing the wind. There was nothing really worthwhile anywhere. Wow. And then he goes on do this writing, and he gives us a whole list of things that he tried to do to find pleasure. And here goes a few of them right here. First thing is this, he tried to find pleasure in his accomplishments. This guy built houses and planted vineyards. He made gardens and parks and planted all kinds of fruit trees in them. And to top it off, he built a reservoir, filled it up with water so that he can water his garden and his trees. That's huge. He tried to find pleasure in his possessions. See, he owned herds and flocks. He hoarded gold and silver. He had it all to himself and all kinds of pleasures. But even those didn't bring him pleasure. He even tried alcohol and sex and drugs and music and the arts. But yet again, none of those brought him any pleasure. And at the end of the experiment of all of these things, at the end of it all, it's almost as if Solomon sighed and says, man, this is like chasing the wind. It's never going to end. In fact, let me say this to you right now. The pursuit of pleasure outside of God does not bring you happiness. You know what it brings you? It brings you addiction. It brings you addiction because you keep chasing and chasing and chasing those things that may perhaps bring you pleasure for a moment but eventually, after that's over, how do you feel? Empty again. It's done. And then you need it over and over again, and now you're pursuing it alone because you've distanced yourself from God by now. You're by yourself chasing after this. And now it's alcohol, or it's drugs, or it's online shopping, or it's one-nighters, or it's that unquenchable urge to be on social media or pornography. And before you know it, your pursuit of pleasure has turned into full-blown addiction. You're chasing the wind. Solomon's writings in Ecclesiastes are not just some musings of a guy who was bored that just wanted to write stuff down. I don't think that's the case. 
I actually believe that he had a purpose in mind when telling us about his pursuits of pleasure that were supposed to satisfy him and bring him content. There was a purpose behind that. I think he would have wanted us to find freedom and life and wholeness through his experiences. It wasn't a waste. He was writing these things down so that the reader can learn and gain from them. So write this down for number one. God designed me to experience pleasure. So I want to make this clear. The first thing right now, this is off the bat. First, let's get this out of the way. There's nothing wrong with pleasure, okay? There's nothing wrong with it. In fact, in fact, when God created Adam and Eve, he prepared a very special place for them to live. What was it called? The Garden of Eden. Now, do you know your Hebrew? Who knows your Hebrew out there? Raise your hands. All right, one guy. You know what the word Eden translates to in Hebrew? I'm going to tell you. Translates into pleasure, literally. The garden of pleasure, okay? That's what he created for them to live and exist in, this place of pleasure. See, in Psalms 36, 7, and 8, David wrote this praise of God. He wrote this. He said, God, your love is so precious You protect people in the shadow of your wings. They eat the rich food in your house, and you let them drink from your river of pleasure. God loves you so much that he wants to satisfy you, and he wants to let you drink from his river of pleasure, his river that gives his pleasure. So there's nothing wrong with experiencing pleasures in our life. In fact, Psalm 1611, David praises God with these words. He says, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. You see, God wants to give us pleasure. But see, did you catch that it comes with walking in his ways and finding purpose, life, and joy in his presence? It's with him. It's not manufacturing or pursuing or creating our own pleasure on our own. That's not what it is. It's in lockstep with him each and every day. It's a daily thing. But quite often, what do we do? We know what God wants us to do, and we know what he's calling us to do. But if you're anything like me, and I'll tell them myself, guess what I'm doing? The complete opposite. Because I think it's best for me. And I know that I'm not the only one in the room that does that. It's something that we all struggle with. We all have this human tendency that wants to draw us away from God. But yet, this is telling us right now that he wants to walk with us so that we can find this purpose in life and have his joy in his presence with him and nothing else. That's what it comes down to. But then I ask you, what exactly is pleasure? Let's talk about that a little bit. If you look up the word pleasure, here are just a few words that define it. Satisfaction, enjoyment, delight, happiness, joy, contentment. All of these things define it. But isn't that the thing that we, aren't these the things that we're all yearning for? Don't we all want these things? See, we're all looking for something more and deeper and worthwhile. But too often we end up clinging to that one thing, like holding it tight, that constantly brings us disappointment and leaves us feeling empty. Is anybody hearing me? 
That one thing we think is going to bring a cure to us, that one thing, if I just hold on any longer, I can change it. That one thing is draining us and keeping us away from God. And he's saying, let go. Leave it alone. I don't want that for you. I have something better. I have something that I know is going to bring true pleasure to you, that's going to be lasting in a lifetime with me. That is what he is calling each and every one of us to step into. And it calls for obedience and trust and having faith in it. And that's what we're talking about today. See, I want you to know and believe that the one of God's objectives, when he saved each and every one of you, one of his objectives was for you to experience true pleasure, which is true enjoyment, true satisfaction, and true contentment in this world. That's what he really desires for you. The moment you said, Lord, I want you in my heart, I receive you as my king, my savior, he says, all right, first thing on the box, I want you to experience pleasure, but my pleasure. That is one of my goals for you in your life. It's not my words. These are words coming straight from scripture. This is the God that we serve. He wants to give you this. Well, here's a question. What do you have to do to obtain this true pleasure? Well, I'm really glad all of you asked because the first thing we have to do is get through our thick skulls that it's not about us and what we think brings us pleasure. It's all about God and what brings him pleasure. And you and I were given the gift of what? Life so that we can bring him pleasure as we are walking and living in his ways in obedience. It goes hand in hand. So write this down for number two. I was created for God's pleasure. Circle that. I was created for God's pleasure. Listen to this. Revelations 4.11 says, You are worthy, O Lord, our God, to receive glory and honor and power. For you created all things, and they exist for your pleasure. See, you and I were created to be loved by God, no doubt. Remember that. But you got to also know this. There's a role that we play in this too. And you know what that role is? God wants you to love him back. He wants you to seek a relationship with him and pursue him and love him back. That's our role. See, he wants you to experience the joy and pleasure of knowing and loving him because it brings great enjoyment to him. Remember, it's all about God. The Bible gives us an account where Jesus was walking down the street, okay, and a guy came up to him and he asked him, he says, what is the most important command in the scriptures? In other words, what's the most important thing in the Bible is what he asked him. What's the most important, important command in all the scripture? And church, I want you to hear this, and if you don't get anything else out of this, understand this one point right here, and listen to how Jesus responds to him. In Matthew 27, I'm sorry, Matthew 22, 37 and 38, Jesus replied, Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. Love the Lord your God with all your heart and with all your soul and with all your mind. This is the first and greatest command. What God is telling us is saying is, here's what you're supposed to do in life. You're supposed to learn to love me because I made you so that I can love you, which brings me great pleasure. But I want you to know that I know you, and I want to fulfill your pleasure. 
by knowing me and loving me back. That's what he's telling us in this scripture right here. Now, we actually have a word for this, okay? It's the word worship. Now, I'm sure many of you have heard that word, okay? And what worship is, is knowing and loving God back. And at times, we worship him in our obedience, doing the right thing. We worship him in our surrender, leaving the things alone that we don't need to be a part of, or maybe surrendering our lives to him, okay? We worship him in our submission, our serving, our giving, our singing, our praising. Here's the thing. Whatever we do to honor him, we bring him pleasure. I tell my students all the time, and a lot of them are soccer players or football players. When you're out on that field and you're giving your best and you're working hard and you're exercising, you're utilizing what God has given you to be out there on that field to do your best. To me, that is a form of worship in that sense because you're presenting your gifts before God. And you're recognizing that he's given you the abilities to play and work as hard as you have. So it can be so many different things, okay? Whatever we do to honor him, we bring pleasure to him. And he fulfills us and brings us satisfaction and pleasure. So how has this played out in my life today? How do I do this now, right? How do we do this? So write this down for point three. I will rejoice in the Lord always. I will rejoice in the Lord always. Let me ask you, do you know what the secret is for pleasure and happiness? Does anybody? Does anybody know the secret for joy and contentment? Well, this guy Paul in the Bible, he actually says he knows the secret. So let's read it, okay? Philippians 4, verse 12 says this. I know how to live on almost nothing or with everything. I have learned the secret of living in every situation, whether it is with a full stomach or empty, with plenty or little. But okay, Paul, what's the secret? How can we know fulfillment and contentment in life? Well, he actually starts this a little bit before this section. And he says this in Philippians 4, verse 4. Always be, always be full of joy in the Lord. I say again, rejoice. That's him. That, can it possibly be that simple, right? To just rejoice. And did you notice that Paul repeats himself here, right? He says, always be full of joy in the Lord, and I say it again, rejoice. Now, let me ask you, why do you think Paul is repeating himself? Well, if you're a parent in here, or you have parents right? You probably would understand why this is said twice. I'm going to say this phrase. I'm going to have you finish it. I've told, if I've told you once, I've told you, right? We tell our kids these things because if you're like my kid, I don't think any of them are in the room. You're stubborn. You don't want to listen. You think you know it all. You got it. Or you just don't want to listen to me or you're distracted. That's what it is right there. And so we say it again because it's important and important. And, what, and that's what Paul is doing here in Philippians 4. But what does it simply mean to rejoice? I mean, is that it? Could you possibly gain fulfillment and pleasure just by simply rejoicing? Well, I'm going to tell you I believe you can. Okay? Now, I'm going to ask you a question. You don't have to answer it, but I know a lot of you are in the same universe as me. But have you ever just woken up 
and you just found yourself were just in a mood. For no reason, you just had attitude, you just had this funkiness with you, you were short with somebody, or you just didn't want to be, and you just, well, you know what, I, I have, okay? And I'm sure you guys are all saints and you don't, but there's times where I wake up and I just have this, this attitude. And my wife's here and she probably can attest to that. One thing I've learned to do though, in this is I grab my earbuds, put them in, and I go for a walk. And as I'm listening to the music, it's not just regular music. I'm listening to worship music, music that's going to draw me closer to God, that's going to speak to my heart, that's going to encourage me in a way that's going to help me to change my attitude some. And then as I'm listening to the worship music, the words are, I'm absorbing the words and I'm hearing them, and then I find myself singing them, Right? And then as I'm listening and I'm observing them and I'm singing them, then I'm starting to talk to God and I'm starting to share with him what's on my mind, why I'm so frustrated. And then when I get to that point, I come to this point where, you know, God, thank you. Thank you for everything that you've given me, for the ability to walk, to have this neighborhood, to have the home that I just left, the bed. God, and you know what? I even thank you for the problem that I have. That's the hard part. I thank you for the issue and the circumstance that I'm walking through because I know that you're blessing me in and through it. That is the hard part right there, but that is what we're called to do. You see, it all starts with a shift in our attitude. We can use this means of rejoicing to change how we are. It's possible. Rejoicing and praising Jesus in the moment works. Bottom line. And because it seems so easy or simple, guess what many of us do? We overlook it. We think it's not going to work. We think it's nothing. But that's not true. It's that simple. We make things harder than they have to be. When God wants to meet us right there in that moment, for me, it's the music. For you, it might be something different. Find something that can shift your attitude and change it right then and there. See, unfulfilled people are often unhappy because they're never satisfied with what they have. See, they could have the whole world at their fingertips, every pleasure like Solomon did, and they still wouldn't be content. And you know why? It's because they've never learned to rejoice in what they have and what they don't have. They haven't learned to rejoice in what they have and what they don't have, and that's where he wants us to be. When we look at Scripture... Rejoicing is not so much an emotion as it is a conscious decision to be satisfied and blessed with God and all of his provision. It's a conscious decision. It's a choice that we make. It is an effort. It is an intentionality. It's something that we make happen. It is a conscious effort that we do to shift. And we look at Scripture. See, we struggle because we're not used to being thankful for what we have. See, a lot of times we aren't thankful for those things in our bed or our house or, or the car or our health. Or, and so what we kind of minimize those things and we, we don't think about those things and we don't talk about these things, okay? Most have always been able to do those things, so why pray for them? You see, it's too easy to focus on what we don't have rather than what we do have. I believe that's part of the reason Solomon was so frustrated by the fact that he had all of those things. His accomplishments, his possessions, his entertainment, 
He had all those things, all of those things that we think would bring us pleasure. He had them all. But the problem is seeking the pleasure. I want you to hear this. The problem is seeking the pleasure rather than the one who provides the pleasure. Hear that again. The problem is seeking the pleasure that we think we want, that we think is good for us, rather than the one who provides the true pleasure for us. That is what we need to get right. That's the one thing Solomon wanted us to understand. Paul said, I have learned the secret of being content in any and every situation, whether well-fed or hungry, whether living in plenty or in want. What's the secret? To be full of what? Joy. To be full of joy and rejoice. Now, you know joy is long-lasting. It's different than happiness. Happiness is temporary. Happiness goes when the chocolate cake is gone. Joy is lasting when I'm going through the worst time in my life. I'm still there happy and joyful because I know that God's got my back. Regardless of what's happening, I have joy in knowing that I have the blessings that God's given me. And regardless of what's going on, it's what keeps me and the joy in my heart. It keeps me from going and doing things that I shouldn't be doing, acting ways that I shouldn't be acting, past behaviors that I may have done in the past. It keeps me on track so that I can do what God has asked me to do and live in that path. That's what joy does for me, even in the worst situations. It's different than happiness. Be full of joy and then to rejoice. But to rejoice in what? Rejoice in God and how he's blessed you. See, he becomes our main focus in life. You see, in all of his writings about seeking pleasure, Solomon hadn't mentioned God once. And I think he did that on purpose. Because at the very end of the book of Ecclesiastes, he says this. Ecclesiastes 12, 13. That's the whole story. Here now is my final conclusion. Fear God and obey his commands, for this is everyone's duty. Solomon says the final conclusion, the reason everything else seems so empty and worthless and boring in life is because you haven't included God in the picture. And if God isn't at the center of your joy, I got to tell you, your life is going to be empty and temporary. I promise you. And I don't say that to be mean. It's not going to be fulfilled. It's going to be half. It's not going to be what God intended for you. The Jewish encyclopedia says that no language has as many words for joy and rejoicing as the Hebrew language. In the Old Testament, there are 27 different words used for some aspect of joy or joyful participation in religious worship. 27 times all throughout the New Testament for joy. See, God created us to engage in a joyous celebration, thanking him as a supreme joy of our life daily, giving thanks let me read this passage one more time to you. It's one of my favorites, Psalm 1611. This is a beauty. If you have it in your Bible, and I know you do, circle it, highlight it, because you'll continue coming back to this. It says this, you will show me the way of life, granting me the joy of your presence and the pleasures of living with you forever. That's not temporary. temporary. That's long-lasting See, God designed and created you for his pleasure, and he desires for you to experience his pleasure 
by rejoicing in the Lord in any and every circumstance, always. You have so much to be thankful for. Stop seeking and pursuing the pleasures of the things you don't have and be thankful for the things you do have. And so there's three things that I'm going to ask of you, challenge you with this week. Again, because I know I'm not the only one that wakes up in that mood sometimes. But there's three things that I want to challenge you with this week. And the first thing is this. Surround yourselves with worship. Whether that's music, I don't know, a podcast. Maybe you need to change your music all the way around because the message isn't good. Listen to some worship music. Flood yourself with that. Okay? The second thing is this. Create a thank God list. Grab a piece of paper first thing in the morning, get your pen, and just start jotting down things that you're thankful for. I've done this. I love doing this. And what it does is I end up spending the whole day writing it, and my list ends up getting longer and longer and longer. And then when I look at this paper with all of these things on it, I'm blown away about all the things that he has blessed me with. And that's just in one day. So I encourage you to get a, a thank you list, to get a thank God list, and to write those things down throughout the day. And the third thing is this, choose joy daily. Remember, it's that conscious effort. Make it happen. Not to seek a daily high, but go to Jesus to find fulfillment, life, and joy. Choose joy daily. Go after it. Make it happen. It's what God wants for us. And we know that there's this opposition that wants to take that from us. And so we need to really dig in and make that effort happen to choose it. Okay? And remember this. The only real pleasure that lasts is the pleasure we discover in our relationship with God. Bow your heads with me. My Lord, thank you for this morning, God, and, and the word that you've given us that the only thing that can replace the whole in our heart and our souls, Lord, it's not anything that the world can offer, but it's you. It's the cross-shaped uh, that fits in our heart, Lord, that comes specifically from you, Lord. So God, help us to remember this when things come our way. Help us not to be distracted by the things we don't have. But Lord, help us to focus on the blessings that you've given us and not to seek and create our own pleasures, and think we, the things we think are good for us. But help us to seek you, Lord, and we pray that you reveal those things to us and that you give them to us in abundance, Lord. So I pray for peace over everyone here, God. I ask that you bless them as you're working in and through them. I pray for their homes and their families, Lord. God, I ask that you just continue the good work in and through them, Lord. Lord, thank you. We say this in your name, Jesus. Amen.